Hello and welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. Today I'm chatting with director Daniel Holmes and producer Matthew Homan, whose film Street Leagues tells the inspiring story of the Irish homeless street football leagues. Okay, well, first up, thank you guys for chatting with us. Thank you so much for having, for having us. Yeah. With all this madness that's after uh, happening across the world. So, Street Leagues is hitting cinemas on the September the 25th. Yep. yep. That will be cinemas all around Ireland. Are you going to, at the moment, cinemas in Dublin are on lockdown and you were saying it will open up in October? So basically now what we have to do is just wait on another slot. So we're just hoping that we can get a date. We have to wait on the government to see what happens there. And then we have to then, you know, it's like going into going out flying off on the airlines, you know, on the air, on the runway. You just have to see when your next slot is. And whenever we get in, we've got all, we're ready to go. We've got all the marketing. We've got all the posters. We've got the DCPs. The cinemas have them. So we're ready to go whenever they are. So we're just really excited that we now will have two runs, you know. Okay, so tell me a little bit about how you got involved with the Street Leagues. Carly Hamilton um, came to me and um, I'd done a bit of work with Carly before and she says, Matthew, I've got this, I'm working with this organisation and I think there's a documentary in it. She was very passionate about making a documentary. Carly's an executive producer on Street Leagues. Um, so she came and was like, look, I said, Carly, I've just come off something where we've been self-funded, so we we need to get funding for this. She said, come and meet me anyway. So I met with her, I had a chat with her and I was like, right, okay, this, this, uh, this sounds nice. And then she said, come and meet the board. So I think that was a Saturday, the Tuesday night we ended up meeting the board um, and I had a chat with them or the Tuesday afternoon I met a couple of them. They started t- it was Sean Kavanagh and Francis, his sister, and they started telling me more stories and I was like, okay, right, this is this is amazing. I can't believe I hadn't heard of this before. So I was working on a project at that minute, so I was able to say to a cameraman and a videographer, come down to Street Leagues with me on Saturday and we'll film a sizzle reel. Um, and whenever I seen how much the filmmaker or the, the players actually were opening up and being honest, I could well one I couldn't believe that this was even happening to them that their past had happened to them and then two I couldn't believe that they had turned their whole lives around and all because of football so I interviewed Sean Kavanagh then and I was like oh my god this is unbelievable have I not heard of this so he was saying that not many people had so my main focus at that point was I want to make raise as much awareness for this organization as possible I was thinking about a documentary because that was how I was able to do that as a documentary filmmaker but I didn't really know how or what how to go about it um, and I still hadn't got a director at that point. Um, I went through filming some stuff and then I'd worked with Daniel before on a, on a previous um, project and I sort of brought him along to one of the nights just to see how he felt. I didn't really offer him the, the job straight away. And with his reaction, I was like, this it just fits. This is work. So that was it then. Then Daniel, you came on at that point. And... Yeah, so I, I moved to Dublin in July of 2017 and about a week later is that day that Matthew asked me to just shoot some footage at one of the nights and didn't really know anything about the Homeless World Cup, didn't know anything about what the street leagues did. I was basically, and I found out later, Matthew was kind of testing me to see what my reaction would be like to make sure that I would have the same passion that he did when he found out about it. So immediately I was like, you know, swept up by the energy of what was happening, chatting with some other players and kind of getting a feel for their stories. And... Literally about a week and a half after that, I was on a flight to Oslo to shoot the experience in the Homeless World Cup. And it came together really, really quickly. And there were a few, you know, it came together by a thread in the end. You know, I mean, there were a lot of things that had kind of had to fall in place at the last minute. And, uh, but it all worked out. 
it's fabulous and it, it's very very beautiful and inspiring like you get this gorgeous arc of of these characters that have really kind of seen a lot dealt with a lot and and you see the positive healing power of sport especially at a time like this i think it's an it's a lovely thing for people to get to see and so people don't forget that healing power of sport and and community and friendship and connectivity and the importance of it in again a time like this i think like whenever you know there is whenever you're a child you know and um you're in school or whether you're in the sports or you're not you might be into something maybe rounders or football or you know gaelic or whatever it may be there is that connectivity you know and whenever you're a child there's no real classes you know whenever you're on the football pitch you're good or you're not you're, you're different levels and it didn't matter whether how much money you had where your parents came from what was going on you you had like on the pitch you were literally you know defending or scoring a goal or whatever that may be and i think this is this really works for 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 people that are going through addictions and maybe at different stages of their lives living on the streets or whenever they get onto the pitch they've actually got purpose do you know what i mean they've actually they're they're there for a reason and they're valued you know, you can't do with you can't do without them because you need that person. And I think there's a lot of people that have whenever they enter into street leagues that they hadn't actually felt like that for a while. You know, and I think that that is something that that I really noticed that people were getting from it whenever they talked about it. It was a real community, and like even after it, I witnessed that you know the girls leaving and saying, "Hey, we're going to go to an AA class," you know, and our AA meeting, and they went together, and just you know, it was just with like, you know, it was not it was nice everybody. They felt the same, you know, but coming through as children, I just think there's so much sports is a real language of its own. Yeah. And you see that as well. I think especially if you kind of get into negative patterns, it's very easy to, you know, lose confidence in yourself and your ability. And again, it's it's about like fostering that confidence in other people and going like, look what you can achieve and showing people like, I mean, representing Ireland you know like and you see the the pride on on these people's faces who've achieved so much and who's like you know whose athletic ability would surpass most of the countries like it's, yeah. and you see that that pride there and that self-worth just means so much to people like it's it's very moving to watch anyway but i don't want to kind of give too much away like it is it's part of it is about kind of going through the journey of of these people there but what was your experience as filmmakers watching that? Because a lot of people are talking about things that are very, very personal. And I suppose as documentary filmmakers, you have to go, okay, are we doing a service to the, the people by sharing their story and, and letting other people hear it? But then also, how do I phrase this in a way? But yeah, like as you kind of want to give people the, the voice to speak, but then sometimes things might be too personal or you know, might hurt the people. How do you find that line as documentary? Or did you have to find that line? Or were people just happy speaking about their feelings? I'll just, I'll just take the first part of that and Daniel can take the second is, you know, with, with Sean, you know, at, this, at the start, I said to Sean, you know, you have final sign off. I said, I don't want to do, put any of these people in a, in, in a worse off position by exposing like their lives and like putting them on the big screen and putting them out there I said so you have the final sign off and I give him that right from the start I said like there's no question about it whatsoever and there was a couple of things in there that he said do you want to know what maybe maybe we shouldn't it doesn't add to the story and we're like do you want yeah you're right this was before we it wasn't taken out of the movie it was before what we would even put into it um but I 
I was really shocked about how open the people were. Um, and Daniel, I'm sure, will, will contest to this as well. Um, whenever he went to the Homeless World Cup and went over to see every went over there with him, he was actually there, you know, shooting the stuff by himself. And flying through everything there, so he was almost taken by one of his one of their own. So whenever they were doing the interviews, you know, there was no crew there, there was no producer there, um. So they were in a different position, you know. What was, it, you know? Yeah, I mean, like you know, like Matthew said, I mean, I was basically a one a one person crew out there. So what we lacked in kind of having a lot of you know luxuries production wise, we gained in me just being able to develop a bond with the players very quickly that gave them trust in me to open up um, as much as they did and you know certain players were more forthcoming than others you know and I completely respected that and there were a few players who were didn't really want to divulge too much about their past because they had children they had family members that this might affect as well so I completely respected that but I think the players who really did open up did so on the understanding that they might inspire somebody else who kind of saw what they had gone through. You know, I think that was the reasoning behind that. You know what I mean? They knew that by sharing their story, you know, it gets passed on to somebody else who's maybe facing these challenges or any challenges. I mean, like you said, like we're all kind of facing, you know, this, this far into 2020, I think everybody has challenges that they didn't expect to be facing entering Mm -hmm. this year. And, you know, this is obviously a very, the, the film is a very extreme journey you know from where these players were to where they are now but i think anybody facing challenges could gain something from from watching this and just seeing you know how far you can go once you develop some belief in yourself but even at that so just to put into perspective so tara lived on the streets for 20 years you know and she turned her whole life around then she ended up going to the world cup and standing in the national anthem and that's probably one of the girls that you've seen like really emotional you know then she goes up, she comes back or she goes to do all that whirlwind. She ends, she ends up on the Late Late Show. Do you know what I mean? She's done the Late Late Show, you know. Did an amazing this, job. And an amazing job and has done, um, she's done Today FM or with the Dermot and Dave show. Like, I mean, the, the people in the documentary can prove that you can do anything. Like, Tara's actually a grandmother. Do you know what I mean? She's now a grandmother now. And, you know, this is a pure inspiration story that you can do anything. You know, I per- currently don't drink either. And, like, they inspired me to, like, Say, geez, you can do anything. If anybody, if these guys can come through this, the crap and stuff that they faced and to turn it around and stick on the straight and narrow, like, and that's what we really want to show. Like, for people that are out there that are, you know, that are maybe in the same position, just, you know, go go to one of these organizations and, and just put your head down and, and, you know, take the support that's there. Because, and like, I know it's not easy. I'm not saying that, that it's easy to sort of just step in and do that, but using people like Tara and, Tucker, who was actually in prison, um, came out of prison, ended up going to the Homeless World Cup, came back, started training the female team, went back on the year that we were there, and is now working as a prison guard. Yeah, just got a degree. Just got a degree as well. Do you know, so like this, this it, it, I feel it's really inspirational for anybody who's going through anything right now. And, you know, I just want them to see it. I want everybody to see it. Coming into the winter and you can see it after being on lockdown for six months so far and and you can see things have just been taking a toll that the negative like the way the economy is kind of so many people are left jobless that just watching again something like this just shows that there's hope for things and that you know like football things football leagues are still happening locally like these these the, the this way to connect even in a socially distant way will still be available and it's so important and it's so important for the government to fund 
projects mm. like that and yeah. it's exactly. like I mean if you if you look at the like a lifetime of trauma you know you only start to heal when you you know start to feel that you're able to heal and then you know that you're doing things for other people as much as yourself and and you're important like it's it's such an important lesson for people and I do think this is this you did a great job in documenting these people gaining that level of self-worth which I don't know I think I think it's very timely and it's very important and it's almost like as you said timely and timeless you know for where we're going into it is like um, I mean the people that are I, I just feel that it's so uncertain what the future is right now. And I think people like Sean Kavanagh need to be like celebrated. And there's so many more of them. Do you know what I mean? That are out there. And you just want like just even for him to sort of be encouraged to, to do more for people because he can. Um, I personally want to do more. I'm involved in various different things and I want to even do more. Do you know what I mean? So and again, we're, like whenever the cinema run finishes you know i still want to do stuff with street leagues like we're donating all the money from the chart from the pro from the cinema m run to the organization and like we want to just do as much as we can you know and upon saying that as well it's, it's a very polished very polished piece of work it, it's stunning there's beautiful drone shots when you said you were like a one-man operation that's very, very surprising to hear because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah there's a few shots in it that uh i'm not particularly proud of just <laughs> the nature of uh you know, trying to operate two cameras and sprinting from, you know, mm. the side of the pitch and stuff, you know, it, it was, yeah, it took, it took a few days to kind of figure out how to actually shoot the footage. And there were so many times where, you know, I just had no idea if I got everything I needed. You're just kind of pointing the camera and just hoping for the best mm. and just trying to follow the ball. And I'd be so, so elated in the editing room when it, when it would all come together, you know, but um, mm. I appreciate that a lot, to be honest. <laughs> That, that's the thing with documentary. You never know if you've got it. You're like, is is this, you know, you know you've got a good story because of what the people have said to you, but you're like, okay, what what is it? Because you are piecing it together and it's almost the direction is done in the edit, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, but actually, that's, that's actually another one of the questions that I, like, how long did that editing process take? Well, funnily enough, I mean, the editing process took, once I found the rhythm of it, it came together extremely quickly. It took a very long time <laughs> to find the rhythm. It took a lot of trial and error because there was a, a, always a balance to find between, you know, the story of, of the journey in the homeless world. Because this is the thing, too, even though we wanted the film to resonate with people who, you know, aren't necessarily big football fans, we still wanted that part of the story to be engaging and for those games to, to have some stakes and for you to be invested and how they did, you know, and because um, there is a high level of competition and we'd be doing the players uh, a disservice by not really emphasizing that part of it because of how hard they had to work to get those skills to be in that position to play in the Homeless World Cup on the world stage. So, you know, it was a tricky balance between getting all, making that part of the story engaging and as well, you know, getting across the individual stories of the players and as well, making sure that we're not looking back too much, you know what I mean? Because it's a story we kind of pick up with the players when they're pretty much about to leave for the Homeless World Cup. You know what I mean? There's not really a whole lot of footage of kind of seeing, you know, what life was like before this journey. And so a lot of that is kind of covered through through their monologues and through them opening up to us. And, you know, we, we didn't want to kind of stay there too much. I and mean, the film is about looking forward and about making progress. And um, but as well, like, you know, we need to be aware of just how far they've come, you know, and for that contrast to be to be apparent. 
And actually, I want to go back a little bit and just talk about the trajectory of this. So you said you shot a sizzle reel um, to to essentially get this made first. Was that to attract funding or was that to pitch it? Like actually, yeah. just, just, just out of curiosity, how yeah. does this go from uh, a, a suggestion in the producer's suggestion box to, you know, then a pitch to then in pre-production? Cool. Yeah, I, sh- I shot the sizzle reel um, on a Saturday and got it edited on the Monday or Tuesday and had it pretty quick. And it was really, really nice. It was it, I wasn't great at renting. Um, and I reached out to a producer I knew in RTE and I said, like, what do you think? And he said, we kind of done something similar a few years ago. Um, and then I reached out to like the film board. They were like, yeah, well, let's put it through one of the rounds. And I was like, we don't really have time, you know, um, the same thing. I'm so impatient as a producer um, and I just want to get stuff done, especially when it's documentary. You know, we owned all the equipment. You know, I had all the people working for me at the time. It was like, I can just get in and start this anyway. So let me just get to the next step. Let me just see what I needed. And as well, it has a linear arc. So you know you're not going to have to shoot for 10 years or anything like that. You know it has a beginning, a middle and an end from the get-go, which is an easier sell mentally. I didn't even know where we were. I didn't even even know if we were at the beginning whenever I started. I was just like, get get cameras on. Um, so basically, you know, I, I was constantly trying to get funding um, because we needed funding to do it. Um, Bankhouse has paid for the majority of it um, and paid for the cinema release. We've done it self-funded um, ourselves. Um, Anil, an executive producer on it as well, ended up putting in some money too. Um, Sean from Street Leagues had helped support as well whenever we just... We were like, we don't have any money right now to get to the next stage, whether that was a, um, a flight or whatever that may be. Then he jumped in at that point. And then by the time, because it was progressively going over a couple of years, my business was doing better. So I was in a much better position to say, OK, and even making a decision to go for a cinema release. It was very easy to say yes, because, you know, we, the company has moved on so much. Um, but at the start, we were going from like, you know, are we going to even get this done? I didn't even know why I was shooting it because I was thinking we're not going to get the money for this. But I just felt that it was right. And I'm glad that we kept moving forward. And that, that's one thing that I once said, anybody who's documentary filmmaking, just turn on the camera. Do you know what I mean? And just start recording. It could be B-roll. It could be anything at all. And it doesn't cost anything to put one person there on the camera. If it's if you chew yourself, if you buy, we shot most of this on a C300. And I had that myself. So I would just advise anybody to just turn on cameras and just see because not something I'm I'm just glad I did. Imagine if I didn't. There's interviews that we done in the sizzle reel that are in the final documentary. Um because it wasn't until we shot that that I was just like, wow, the, the this is magic, you know. There's there's lovely it's structured in such a way that there is that lovely arc as well, if the the positive upswing, but then you take it back to that kind of nice personal positivity were there any changes in the edit was there any things that you had to maybe drop for whatever reason or that you decided last minute to, to shuffle around not really i mean like it was very kind of strange edit because like i said i mean like there was a lot of trial and error just trying to find the overall structure and i basically just kind of locked myself in the editing room for like a week and just edited like a madman and the cut that came out of that week it's pretty much like 90% the cut, the we final went, cut. Yeah, we went back and shot some stuff. Like, I would love to go back and look at some of the other people that, that you know, were in the documentary because there was so many more success stories. Like, one of the girls went on, she has baby now. And, like, there's just these things that have actually happened and continue to happen mm. and will continue to happen through all of their lives. 
um, that we just can't obviously, you know, document forever. But I, I just, I would have loved one more pass on another round of like, you know, where everybody is at now. Yeah. Um, that's the one thing that I would, I would love. And do you want to know what we've talked about doing it? <laughs> we've talked about just because I believe it would take one day of interviewing in Dublin. Do you know what I mean? And and I think that that it could really even just a little bit that could come on maybe at the end after credits roll, um, maybe for something if we get um to the next stage of distribution, maybe TV, maybe streaming. So we might go back and just do like one more little, little three minute you know blast of like maybe just a roundup of them. I would I would love to do that. Yeah, it's a testament to the players like just how how much has happened since we finished the film. You know, what I mean, like Matthew said, there's there's just so much room to cover even more ground for all of their successes off the field. Like it's amazing how much more we could we could do now to to pass the even this past this past yeah, no, week. Past week crazy. Yeah. In the past week if you if we done like the Dermot and Dave show, the two FM show, the Rand you know, getting his the Rand Tuberty show. Like this even with where they're featuring, like, you know, this is this is a lifetime away from where any and it just proves again that, you know, by going into like organizations you can really make a difference in your life, you know? Yeah. And just tell me a little bit about uh, Bankhouse Media. So I just, I read online that you guys were doing uh, work for charities and things. Yeah, so we, we I, I opened Bankhouse Productions. I In the last recession, um, I was a victim of the last recession and lost my property business and my job and ended up on employment for, for two years, you know, um, with not a single penny, which I... I actually, you know, I'd never been in that position and I found myself with no money for rent and struggling to, I've always found money for drink somehow, but uh, I, I, I struggled for rent. But, um, and I opened Bankhouse Productions in that time. <clears throat> I worked with an organization, Inner City Enterprise, and I started the film production company. And as we sort of went on, um, we'd always been working on movies that we really cared about and how we could add value. And that was one of the things that I really wanted to do because it, it felt hardship before in my life. And I was like, I want to try to like, work on projects that give back and try to do as much as possible. Um, I ended up opening, a, we opened a digital media agency on the side of Bankhouse. So it's Bankhouse Productions for film and documentary and Bankhouse Media for our media agency. Now you can imagine like media, we we are fully in comp, we do everything in, in digital and it has been, you know, extremely busy, especially through lockdown. It's probably been our busiest time. Um, so that has done really, really well, allowing us to fund all this other stuff that we care about and that we love about. We love. Um, so at the start of lockdown, um, one of my, our crazy barber, um, <laughs> Annie, um, Annie uh, owns a barbers in Wexford Street, um, Chesilato. And he came and said, I want to do something, you know, f- through this time. And I said, what do you want to do? And he said, I want to feed people. And, I said, okay, no worries. So what does this mean? So we literally started going from like shop to shop on, on Camden Street and saying, can I have food? And was giving it to people in that needed it. So I said, God, you're crazy. So I start, we, we then built the brand Ready Donate. And um, we've done over 5,000 meals since March. And um, we're now getting food coming from like, you know, Lidl and Tesco and um, Aldi at the end of every day. And this, this food parcel is going out nonstop. We've now, fingers crossed, hopefully we'll know by Friday, we've secured a premises in Dublin city centre for putting in fridges, for boxing up food, for doing all that stuff. And we, we believe that Ready Donate could actually go into every, every city, if not every town in the country, because there's so much food gets thrown out and wasted at the end of every single day in a shop, in a, in a supermarket, and they don't actually want to throw it out. You know, that's the thing. They don't want to. And they're ready to donate it. Um, and we've been taking it and we've been giving it out. We've been working with Food Cloud, which is an amazing organization. It's like one of the best things that I've ever experienced, seen. They're unbelievable. And we're just getting it out as much as possible, you know. So 
we're constantly wanting to get back so that's it it's interesting because i mean this this project doing street leaks has really kind of altered the trajectory of the kind of projects the kind of film projects we want to make and also you know projects like that with ready donut like matthew was talking about you know things once you kind of see what a difference you you can make with very little resources a lot of the mm-hmm. time like it does it, it motivates you to continue that and and try to find other ways to help you know and i think that's one of the things that i really hope this film accomplishes is that it shows people that solutions do exist and they can be a lot simpler than you would think and you know what if you see the amount of pro- if you see that it's possible if you're aware that it's possible to make change it just makes you a lot more motivated to to attempt it of course and actually just to ask you yourself daniel about your own career and um, you've done a lot of work with drama prior to this haven't you like you would have your background would be a lot more in the drama world or yeah up to this point I mean this this was my first documentary um you know short or feature and before this you know I had done two um two drama films funded by NI Screen I was based up in Belfast for a while and uh there was a writer director on then Matthew and I made Dive together and that was, we released that during the referendum. It's very thematic in terms of what was going on at that time. And, um, and I was all, that was also a drama that I was writing director on. So I think, but I was, I, I had a bit of an itch to scratch with, with documentary. You know, I mean, I love watching some of my favorite films of all time are documentaries. And in the back of my mind, it was something that I knew I wanted to do. And then, you know, when Matthew approached me with this, you know, it was a no-brainer, you know what I mean? And now going forward, I mean, I'm definitely now really, really itching to do another uh, another scripted drama film. But I think, you know, the, the beauty of documentaries is like, you know, with this, you just kind of pick up the cameras and go, you know what I mean? If something's happening and, you know, in this, it was a nice reminder of just, you know, how far you can get without a whole lot of resources. I think you can kind of paralyze yourself sometimes with filmmaking, you know, thinking you need, you know, the best cameraman, the best you know crew, and the, all this, all all these stuff, and you really, really don't. You know, what I mean, this, if, the, if the subject matter is there, you know, you can um, you can make something that you're really proud of. So, going forward, you know, Matthew and I have a few documentaries in the mix at the minute. You know, all you know with the intention to create to create more change. You know, and, and raise awareness of certain issues. And actually, I just want to go back to just a tiny bit there where you touched on the the differences between them. What do you feel are the kind of skills required for doing the or like or that you've honed to do drama versus do documentary or or what kind of what what different actions do you take putting on your documentary hat as opposed to your drama hat? Well, the funny thing is with with the doc not to jump in and answer your for you but yeah. like with with what i feel is like because i've done drama i produce drama and i produce i produce plays i produce musicals you know i i love i love going on it's very much feeling for me um but after dive whenever we became a part of the the movement with the referendum because it was about a, a girl having to leave the country to you know have a termination and then with doing this with street leagues and then two projects that i've got coming up that we've both got coming up you know i think it's for me it's like you know, it, it is make, being able to make that change, you know, and it, it's being a part of something. I always sort of like to be a part of a part in history. Do you know what I mean? And like, hopefully that, you know, you, you played your part and you maybe raised a bit of awareness. And then for me, that that point that it's worth it, you know, um, whenever I done pure fiction before, I loved it. I love producing and I love producing fiction and I love working with writer directors that do. But it definitely doesn't give me the same fulfillment. 
you know i know that you love fiction and you want to go back to it 100 and that's obviously from a writer director point of view but as a producer i i do like being part of something that that can kind of make a difference you know yeah well i think you know the, the two big things or the one big thing that both dive and street leagues have in common is you know it's, it's an attempt to create empathy with somebody in a situation that most people have serious kind of preconceived notions about you know what i mean and i think especially with homelessness you know what i mean like the reactions that we get people are very caught off guard by how impressed and taken away and taken aback they are by by these players you know what i mean and how how fun they are and how how much they just love getting to know them in this documentary you know and even with dive like i mean one of the best reactions that i heard to dive was um uh, a family friend back in america who was very very conservative very very right-wing very very anti-abortion under any circumstances he watched the film and then said i never realized there was another there was a human being at the center of that decision and it completely changed his view on that topic and that was really rewarding to hear to be honest and i think you know that's something that that i've kind of realized i'm drawn to without it being totally conscious you know and i think that's certainly playing a part in the type of projects that matthew and i are are trying to build now and actually one of the things that attending physical screenings can do rather than if you release a film and it just goes out there and it has a life and and you know maybe someone might email you and go that was incredible that changed me or like maybe people have been moved but just don't say anything and just kind of go about the, their day and go oh yeah that, that was a nice film I'll think about that more but one of the things sitting in a physical mm-hmm. screening and watching people watch your film so you guys got to do that so you you guys got to do that before everything yeah. kind of locked down which was which was great yeah, yeah. barely yeah. but yeah oh was, I'm so yeah. I'm so grateful that we were one of the last movies to screen yeah. in the world um to be honest <laughs> Um, we we screened at the end of February, and you know I don't think another fil- film festival ran after Dublin. I don't. I think they all moved online by the end of March. You know, and but yeah, sitting in the cinema, and like I mean, we talk, we laugh about the coronavirus thing. Not laugh about it. It's it's shocking. But like I'm surprised that you know not every we don't have it or not every like four hundred people either shook our hands or hugged us. Do you know what I mean in the cinema that day, like at the at the end of February, but um. It it's it was for overwhelming for me that one because, um, I actually, I'm not really a crier. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't watch movies and sit and cry, but I get really welled up with street leagues every time. Um, and it's because I was probably there, and it, because I know how raw the the, the girls, well, one of the one moment with a girl, and I always end up really welling up. But um, everybody was welling up at the same time. Do you know what I mean? If I'm getting mostly moved, but I'm sure that the majority of the room are. And a lot of people then coming up to you and hugging you after and, and, and you're trying to sort of like, and the, the play, we were like, I, both of us, Daniel will talk about this part as well, but I was so overwhelmed by the players coming up. Mm. They were so happy. This was the first time they'd seen it. And they were like, I was delighted that they were so happy. I was like, cause you're always nervous about that. Sean had give the sign off of course and said, look, everybody would be delighted with this. But um, that was overwhelming, that part. Yeah. I mean, getting to experience the film with the players is one of the best experiences of my life, you know, not just as a filmmaker, but just, you know, period. And I think, um, you know, like Matthew said, there's a little bit of trepidation for, for certain scenes, you know, because they hadn't seen anything at that point, you know. And, like, even when, 
you know, they didn't perform like the way they wanted to in the games. You know what I mean? They were quite crushed in the in the midst of the tournament. But you still got to show those moments, you know. And um, they were kind of slagging me about <laughs> one of those scenes. Like, why'd you, you left that in? You left that in? Like, <laughs> there was parts where they're like, turn the camera off. I don't want the camera yeah, here. Yeah. And like, you get that as well. But like, that is a part of it. But it was really nice to hear them all like laughing. Like, I mean, we're all in the cinema together. There's 400 of us. And, you know, they were laughing and slagging each other throughout it, which yeah. everybody could hear, which brought everybody into it because... Yeah, it made it like this for, like this crazy immersive experience because yeah. people throughout the entire cinema could kind of hear their commentary. <laughs> yeah. It. it was incredible. Yeah. And it was good. And then for the sat, for like the emotional moments, it was like a pin drop. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, like dead silence, you know, with that amount of people in the room. And then we'd done a Q&A after it, and it was, do you want to watch? Some of them were, like, shouting things up, and they gave, like, a, they sent a lot of love to Daniel, so that was good. And yeah. that's it. And so around the country, people will be able to have a socially distanced version of that experience, hopefully, yeah. from September yeah. the 25th. Um, yeah. So that's great. So that's uh, Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland, cinemas on the 25th. And then we'll be seeing it, hopefully, in October in Dublin. Yeah, yep. that's right. When, yeah, we'll when we kind going. of like emerge from this with our yeah. kind of squinty eyes going out into the sunlight and then back into a dark cinema to see yeah. it then. So we we definitely look forward to um to catching that on the big screen as well because it's beautiful and it's a beautiful documentary. And I think as well in Dublin, like a lot of the like to watch it with people that are in it and that are maybe friends like if you're sitting down yeah. in the cinema like you know you're definitely going to go see it if your friend is in it so like it's it's kind of yeah. nice that it's it's the communities that are affected by it and that are kind of healed within these beautiful moments on screen it's it's definitely worthwhile to watch so we yeah. look forward to catching it and make yeah. sure to do it if you can and then hopefully we'll hear from you again if you or when you guys get your vod yeah yeah 100% yeah so that's definitely the next step and we've got we've been blessed with some really lovely reviews as well um and we've got like a lot of press out of it and a lot of content so we're going into the that strong you know we're going into that that the next round of this i i feel really in a good position excellent and thank you so much for chatting with us yeah, thank, you thank you so much for having us, much for having us.